Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all of your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. This is Christian Curious with your host, Dr. Haley Gray Scott. With me again in the studio is Hunter Hambrick. Hunter, can you introduce yourself again to listeners who may have not heard or caught the previous episode? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me back again, Haley. My name is Hunter Hambrick. I'm a second year Master's of Divinity student at Denver Seminary, and I have the privilege of working as a liaison with the Kaleo Project with yourself and some pretty fantastic churches in the Denver area through the Young Adult Initiative. Well, you know, I just shared a quote from one of the most quoted people in the Christian world. <laughs> I almost don't even quote him anymore because he's so quoted, but um, he just has a, you know, C.S. Lewis has a beautiful way with words, and he really nailed this aspect of spiritual formation and the choices that we make turning us into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Um, you've been interested in how digital technology in which we in which we interact with every single day, how that impacts our spiritual formation. If you take Lewis at his word that almost every choice we make forms us towards heaven or hell, it's pretty sobering to think about. Absolutely. And I think it's been said that C.S. Lewis is the patron saint of evangelicals. <laughs> so anything Lewis says, uh, I, I got to go with that. But I've also heard it said that, you know, the question isn't, are we being formed? The question is, who or what are we being formed into? What type of person are we becoming? Maybe if we were to use biblical language, we could say uh, we're all becoming disciples of someone or something. Um, well, with us in the studio again to help us think through some of these issues of formation is Dr. Howard Baker. Dr. Baker is assistant professor of Christian formation and director of Christian formation at Denver Seminary. He joined the faculty at Denver Seminary in 2006 as instructor in Christian formation. He's been an adjunct faculty member since 1995. Together with Dr. Bruce Demarest, a real pioneer in the field of spiritual formation, he began the seminary certificate program in evangelical spiritual guidance. In addition, he served on numerous boards and has offered spiritual direction through retreats for many in the Denver metro area and um, around the world. Currently, he's a board member and teacher for Nexus International, and uh, we are so honored to have him back with us again today in the studio. Welcome back to Christian Curious, Dr. Baker. Great to be with you. Dr. Baker, in this episode, we are talking about a rule of life. So first of all, what in the world is a rule of life? That's a great question. One that's probably uh, uh, a rule of life is probably not very familiar to a lot of people, uh, but the the term rule comes from uh, Latin word regula, 
which simply is a word for railing or something that holds us up uh, as we uh, move along uh, the journey. So uh, a, a rule of life is something that supports us uh, and it supports our whole life. Uh, it's not just about our religious life or spiritual life. It's our, our entire life. And everyone, it's sort of like a schedule. Everyone has a schedule. Uh, may not be a good one, but you, <laughs> you have one. Right. And everyone has a rule of life. Uh, it may not be conscious or intentional, but you have one. Uh, you have a structure to your life. You have rhythms to your life. And uh, so when, when particularly in the in, in the, as a follower of Jesus, the, uh, the idea historically and biblically is to have a conscious and intentional mm. uh, rule of life, a set of practices and disciplines that hold our life together, so to speak. Yeah, so there's, you know, whenever someone, you know, I have books on my shelf, Benedictine Monks, and I have Crafting a Rule of Life, and it sounds, when I hear the rule of life, I think, of the Benedictine monks or monks of any kind, you know, really. And, um, but it's very relevant for people living day to day in the world and people who are not Christian and people who are Christian. So what could a rule of life, um, or establishing intentionality around a rule of life Mm -hmm. do for Christians in 2020? Right. I sometimes like to use the, the term, rhythm of life hmm. uh, as a substitute for rule of life. Sometimes just the word rule mm-hmm. is uh, off-putting. Well, it is to me. I always like to be the rule breaker. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, so maybe rhythm of life would be better for you, Haley. Right. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, because for every person, none of us, you know, want to live in a sense of arrhythmically. You know, if, if you have an arrhythmic heart condition, that's not, a, that's not a good thing. That's not healthy, uh, nor is an arrhythmic life or an eccentric life. Uh, eccentric simply means off-center. Uh, and so a, a rule or rhythm of life keeps our lives in a healthy rhythm. It helps keep our lives centered as a follower of Jesus, centered on Jesus Christ and everything that we do revolves around that center. And so the, the rule of life uh, helps us actually live out our, our vision for life, which as a follower of Jesus would be to live life with him in the kingdom of God. And uh, so the, the rule of life is a means that helps us fulfill our vision and intention uh, for, for living. Yeah. So last episode, you pushed back against my description of you as an expert in spiritual formation, arguing that we are all sorts of beginners, but um, you've been a beginner for a very long time. I have been. And so I'd I'd love to hear if you're comfortable sharing with us a little bit about how your approach to this rhythm of life or rule of life has changed over the years. Yeah, and I'm often hesitant uh, to share what I do for fear that, you know, people will just, oh, well, that's what he does, or that's what my pastor does, or that's what Haley does, so I'll just do that. And the brilliance of a 
rule of life is that it's customized mm -hmm. for each person. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. And why, why not? Because we're created as unique individuals, unique persons before God, unique persons in community, and God is redeeming each one of us in a unique and special uh, way. So each one of us then responds to God in a unique uh, personal way uh, out of our personality, out of our context, out of our season in life. And so because of that, a rule of life always needs to be experimental and experiential. Hmm. Uh, trial and error is really a good thing when it comes to the rule of life. We, we want to discover what really works for us, what helps us connect more deeply with God, what helps us grow more into Christ-likeness, what is life-giving, what brings joy and peace into our lives. And so it's a, it's a bit of a, a lab experiment. You know, I would think that one thing to be for people to keep in mind as as super critical in developing a rule of life is to not like let yourself be burrowed down by shame because of failing because something might not work for you because this Bible study didn't work for you or because this certain spiritual discipline didn't work for you that you're not burdened down by this shame and this failure because, you know, in my role, you know, as a professor of leadership and then also as the director of Young Adult Initiative, I've seen so many Christian leaders just get mm. bogged down by that sense of shame and failure. Right. And often the, the source of that is trying to live someone else's spiritual life mm. uh, rather than my own unique life with God. And so, Again, it goes back to discovering what is God's call for me in terms of these uh, practices and ways of, of living with God. Um, I like to think of it in terms of I want to find those things that provide brownie motivation <laughs> as mm -hmm. opposed to broccoli motivation. <laughs> we eat broccoli because it's good for us. Right. We eat brownies because they're good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't have to discipline myself to eat a brownie. <laughs> and so we need some some of some of those practices and and disciplines and postures that are like brownies that they delight us that it's just what we want uh yeah. to do and it's out of delight and desire rather than out of duty. And I think when we're relating to God primarily out of duty or obligation and then we, we foul up or we fail, then comes shame and guilt. And, and God wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. Hmm. And it's a great thing to remember, and, for sure. And so it's, it's, it's the relationship, it's the friendship. So a rule of life is simply figuring out what are the, what are the ways that I sustain my friendship my love relationship with this God who is always pursuing me uh, and that is constantly pouring his love on me. And so the rule of life is simply a way of putting myself before God so that I can receive all that God wants to give me. Yeah. 
well, not to play devil's advocate, Dr. Baker, but I can't help but hear the voice of a mother of young children, uh, a father of young children, the CEO, the small business owner, people who work multiple jobs. Are you telling them to do more um, in their life? Can can they begin a rule of life for people who just have such hectic, fast-paced schedules? They're just trying to get to the next thing, much less the next week. Oh, absolutely. I Now, the last thing I would say would be to do more. Uh, often we probably need to do less. Hmm. And it's, it's a reframing of, part of a rule of life is a reframing of how we look at our lives. And as a, a mother of young children, what, what a gift. I mean, that is God right there in her midst, hmm. uh, this little person that God has brought into the world for for her to uh, care for, uh, that God used her body to bring these little people into the world. And so the whatever this our context, those are the very things that God can use hmm. to commune with us. And those are the very things or people through which we can encounter God. And so for those people that work multiple jobs or parents of young children uh, that really have zero discretionary time. That's where the ancient practice of, of simply uh, the practice of the presence of God, of noticing God's presence and love with me in the midst of the mess and the chaos. So don't lean away from those things, actually lean into those things. Well said, yes. You know, I had you know, a couple of thoughts, you know, I, as you were talking, I remembered a moment when, um, I forgot what flight it was, but it was, um, it landed in these Ukrainian cornfields. And that day I had maybe Ellie might've been seven and Vivi might've been five or something. And they were so young and I had decided to stay at home with them until they went to kindergarten because, you know, my doctorate is in leadership and spiritual formation and I felt like if I can't do it with these kids what am I doing what can I do out in the world if I'm not going to start here at at my home but you know when I hear the news and I often felt so impotent as a stay-at-home mom and that day we went walking on red rocks that same day that that plane went down in Ukrainian cornfield I thought what can I do about that that plane that went down. I can't do anything about it, but I can take these girls and they are basically my letters to the world that I won't get to see. And they are my chance to train them and equip them and help them to, to love God in ways that are going to impact the future in positive ways. And that's one way that I, as a mom, really tried to hold on to the spiritual aspect of being a mom, you know, and that's really hard to do in the midst of changing diapers and <laughs> feeding schedules and no sleep and all of that. But um, it's just, you know, so important to realize that, you know, the spirituality of every moment. And then the second thing is, is I've had Tom and Joni Schultz from group publishing here um, in the studio before. And I've told them that, uh, my daughters have come home from VBS and they've, 
you know, Ellie was wearing this bracelet that said, watch for God. And I looked at that for months Hmm. and I was like, watch for God to what? (laughs) And it took me months to realize, watch for God, Mm -hmm. you know, just make the practice of watching for God in your daily life and how important that is. And that's something that I still strive to do because um, I've been so formed by the fast pace of, you know, being a working parent and digital technology and keeping up, trying to keep up on the news and that, um, but just to slow down and watch for the presence of God. Right. And so often we think of a rule of life or spiritual disciplines in terms of activities, but there's a big portion of a rule of life, that, especially for people that, Hunter, you mentioned, uh, who, whose lives really don't have much margin. Uh, it can be passivities uh, because the reality is God is always present. God is always speaking. God is always taking the initiative, and God is always for us. And so if those are realities, then a big part of my life with God is noticing, listening, responding, and receiving. And those don't take any extra time away from my life. It's fantastic. I can do that in the midst of whatever else I'm doing. And I'd argue that might be a hard thing for some people to learn if they're always doers to to take that more passive stance and say wait i don't actually have to do anything you know except be open and receptive to what god wants to show me um you know there are a lot of spiritual disciplines that can connect us to god and help us to watch for god and practice that presence such as Um, prayer and meditation, Bible reading, maybe church attendance. That is different today in the world of COVID. But um, what are some of the most overlooked spiritual disciplines that you're like a huge fan of? Well, I like physical exercise. For me, that's always been, you know, a way where God speaks or I have my best ideas or just a a deep sense of God's presence, partially because generally I'm out in creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm enjoying solitude. And so it just sets the stage for, you know, intimacy with God. Uh, Other people, time with, you know, time with their pets can be a wonderful, you know, just walking their dog or playing with their dog or a cat or whatever uh, the pet might be. Uh, art and music uh, is very meaningful and significant to a lot of people. And to think that God wouldn't connect with that deeper part of who a person is, is, uh, is really misinformed. Mm-hmm. So that just that practice, or even if it's, if I'm not an artist, but Listening, you know, to music uh, can be a wonderful way of of connecting with God, and that can be done in the midst of doing other things. Uh, study, uh, not only of the scriptures or theological topics, but study of people mm-hmm. uh, can be uh, a way of because people are made in the image of God, and as I 
uh, learn more about people. I learn more about God. I see God expressed uh, through people in unique and, and wonderful ways. So I think study of all different kinds of, of things can bring us into a deeper relationship with God. Um, That's one of the reasons why our tagline with Christian Curious is to stay curious because that keeps you on your toes when it comes to um, remaining like a child with a sense of wonder right. at the world around you and the way God is working within it. Yes, yes. And and that the beauty of study is that it's the, it's the natural next step from being curious. We can be curious and then end up being distracted. Right. But if we're curious and then follow that up with, well, I want to learn more about what it is I'm wondering, that's, then that's, that will lead us into uh, a deeper relationship with God. If, if my curiosity simply leads me to jump around and be distracted, it's... I never have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I only have 20 tabs open on my Google. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't, I never answered your question about, you know, what I've come to in terms of my own rule of life over these many years of being a beginner uh, and a lot of trial and error. But the things that have stuck with me uh, are praying the Psalms, hmm. uh, because through praying the Psalms, I can be real with God. I can mm-hmm. express what's in me, as Lewis said, not what ought to be in me. Uh, Meditating on the gospel stories is a second uh, practice that has stayed with me for uh, almost 30 years now, that I just want to stay in the gospels, stay meditating on Jesus, his words, his actions, his life. And, uh, and I think for me, and this is one, I think those two are historically uh, validated that, you know, through the history of the church are pretty solid. So I would encourage those two for everyone. Um, For me, solitude is huge. Uh, I've just noticed this morning that, okay, it's been been a while since I've gotten away, Hmm. and I really need that. My soul needs that, and uh, to just have that, to be alone with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some people, that can be terrifying. Uh, but we can, you can start in little increments, any of these practices, you can start small. What was Blaise Pascal said something about, um, the inability of a man to sit alone with himself in a room is one of the, the deepest problems facing mankind. I mean, that I totally butchered that, but that's the concept. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The root of all mankind's troubles is that we can't just sit alone in our room. (laughs) And of course there's a difference between solitude and loneliness, um, we began this episode, uh, Dr. Haley mentioned the Benedictine monks and, and, and how a rule of life was really crafted, yes, personalized for the individual, but in community. So I'm curious as pastors are engaging and encouraging their congregations to pursue solitude, to pursue a rule of life, some of these rhythms and sets of practices, what are maybe some ideas, some thoughts, some encouragements you would have for how Christian small groups can begin implementing a rule of life together in community? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one of my favorite statements is that 
it's in solitude that we learn we're not alone. We're not alone. Hmm. And uh, so you can just think about that one. It's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> but I think shared shared practices, uh, not necessarily when we are together, uh, but I mean we can do some together. Uh, meditation, lectio divina meditation on a passage of scripture together, then reflect together on the meaning of that uh, passage. We can pray psalms t together. Uh, but we can also practice and experience some things on our own. And then as we're in a small group, then we come back and share our experience, whether that's fasting uh, or silence and solitude. Uh, so I think the, the idea of shared experience, what, what are you practicing and how is God meeting you in the midst of that uh, practice can really build community uh, as people learn from each other. Right. And, I, you know, I would argue that that would be something that um, as I've listened to young adults over the last three years and then very intensively over the last few months, they really are longing for that deeper sense of community. Um, some of that can be explained by the loneliness that they feel uh, that it's been exacerbated by the pandemic, but has been was been was there before. But they want that sense of deeper um, answers and that deeper sense of you know practicing the presence of God and then being able to. Uh, communicate that within a trusted community. Uh, that's something that people are really desiring right now, and they may not even know that they, they want that or they need that. Right. And community needs to be about something more than just being together socially. Uh, it, it's, we keep going back to Lewis, but in The Four Loves, he talks about that's, you know, friendship, which I liken to community, is people shoulder to shoulder looking at the same thing. Hmm. Yes. And so spiritual community is us together looking at Jesus and being with him and learning you know, from him. But we're so we're all we all have the same focus. Great. And then we share we share that together. Yeah. Well, Dr. Baker, Mr. Hambrick, thank you both so much for being with us again today on Christian Curious. I've really appreciated both of you so much in your perspectives. Hunter, your questions. Dr. Baker, your answers and your expertise, even though you don't want to own that. Not old, just wise. <laughs> ah. There you go, very wise. Um, you've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Reach out with your questions and comments to Haley at hgscott.com. That's H-A-L-E-E -E at hgscott.com. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E -E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.